sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after live right here on this opening day of a new week, but not any just regular week, live right here on the morning after in Sports Grid. It is Super Bowl week, a Super Bowl 57 between the Birds and the Chiefs, just six days away. Sirius XM Channel 159, all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday as we get you set for Super Bowl 57 this day and the rest of this week. But Plenty to get to around the sports world to start off our number two. And basketball was a big focus this weekend, both in the NBA. The Kyrie Irving deal, now a member of the Dallas Mavericks, traded away from the Brooklyn Nets. What that means for the NBA and the ramifications for it. Not just for the Mavericks and the Nets, but other teams that potentially had interest and reportedly offered up even a sweeter trade package back to Brooklyn than that of the Dallas Mavericks. That included reportedly the Los Angeles Lakers. Maybe it was GM Rob Palenka just trying to save face for LeBron James, but it did lead to a tweet last night of LeBron James sharing out on social media. Maybe it's me. Well, LeBron has other pursuits this week as well. Now not getting Kyrie Irving to join the Los Angeles Lakers. He is still in the hunt for history, nearing and becoming very, very close Two, being the NBA's all-time leading scorer. 35 points right now away from tying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. 36 from overtaking him. Two games this week for LeBron and the Lakers back in Los Angeles. Tomorrow night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the day or two days following that against Kareem's former, former team in the Milwaukee Bucks organization. As we have shared often, the Milwaukee Bucks, in doing it in that game for LeBron, remains the odds-on favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook, but there is a new market. How does he do it? A layup, the shortest price, at plus 145 for that 38,388th point that makes him the NBA's all-time scoring leader. That's in the professional ranks in the NBA. How about some college basketball from the weekend that was a bad week to be a member of the AP Top 25. The weekend that we saw following a chaotic week in college basketball. We do that now in the zone. You can't beat the zone. Sometime in the last six days from when the new AP poll came out on Monday afternoon, 15 of the top 25 teams in the AP poll went down at some point, whether over the weekend or during the midweek portion, including number one, and in fact, number 21. But Indiana gets the better of Purdue on Saturday afternoon in Assembly Hall. The Hoosiers, a huge rivalry victory against the number one team in the land, the Purdue Boilermakers, as Indiana wins at home 79-74 as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The second straight year for the Hoosiers with a win over their rivals in the Boilermakers inside Assembly Hall. Big men still rule the day in college basketball, certainly in the Big Ten Conference. The big man you see on your screen, Zach Eady, at all 7-4, 33 points, 18 boards against IU. But Trace Jackson Davis on the other side for Indiana, 25 points, 7 rebounds. Both 
should be consensus All-Americans at the end of this year. Edie is going to run away with the Wooden Award for the National Player of the Year. And it was just the second loss for the Boilers all season long. But a huge win for Indiana in that rivalry matchup on Saturday. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after live right here on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. Yes, it is Super Bowl week, but first we recap the weekend. That was really the chaotic week it was. The first week in February in college basketball, where number two in the country, Tennessee lost on the road in Gainesville against Florida earlier in the week and then got a test that they could deserve over the weekend against Auburn. Look at that score. No, that's not a first-half number. That's the entire game, 46-43. Tennessee does bounce back with a victory, but comes nowhere close to covering as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite and a very controversial no-call in the closing seconds of this game between the Vols and the Tigers on Rocky Top in Knoxville. Wendell Green Jr. for Auburn fires up a three-pointer under four seconds remaining. On the other side, Olivier Comtois for Tennessee jumps in front of him, goes straight up, but gets into his landing zone. Wendell Green Jr. not afforded the opportunity to land cleanly. Should have been a call. It wasn't. Tennessee survives by three. Now we look at those national championship odds. Number three in the country, the Houston Cougars, do survive on the road in Philly last night against Temple. Down by a couple of points at the break. They come back to win by 16, even covering as an 11.5 point pregame favorite. Plus 650 for the Cougs. Purdue a dollar and a half behind at 8 to 1. Alabama routes LSU. They are 10 to 1, tied with Arizona for the third best price. There you see Kansas, the fifth best price. Kansas on a little bit of a slide. They have lost four of their last six games, two top 15 matchups in the Big 12 over the weekend. Kansas gets routed on the road in Hilton Coliseum in Iowa State against those Cyclones. As we look at the Big 12 championship odds at the moment, it is Texas with an odds-on number. They rally back in the second half against K-State. Texas has the best record in the Big 12 conference at this moment. 8-2 in league play. It was a rivalry weekend in the sport for the first time since the Final Four last year, ending Coach K's career. Duke gets its revenge here in the regular season. Inside Cameron Endor, a great back-and-forth game, really all 40 minutes long. Duke emerges with a victory, 63-57, covering at home as a two-and-a-half point favorite. Plenty more to get to here on the morning after up sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com It is Super Bowl week live right here all across the Sports Grid Network and certainly on the opening day of this week on a Monday on the morning after on Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on TMA live on this Monday morning for Super Bowl week. Of course, we are now just six days away from Super Bowl 57 in Phoenix between Philadelphia and Kansas City. How does the health stack up for both of these sides entering the biggest game of this year? That's why the pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, joins us right now for that injury insight and analysis six days away from Super Bowl Sunday. Dr. Chow, as always, we appreciate your time here on this Monday on the morning after. 
Thanks for having me. And I'm about to head down to uh, Radio Row and all that uh, craziness myself. Dr. Chow, I will see you in Phoenix in just a few days as well. Now, Dr. Chow, as we got ready for Conference Championship Sunday, and of course we looked at the high right ankle sprain of Patrick Mahomes entering the matchup against Cincinnati, you told us here his sixth score at SportsInjuryCentral.com was an 84 out of 100. Now, we think, Dr. Chow, with this bye week, this past week, now that we are in Super Bowl week here, that Patrick Mahomes had time to rest up, get healthier, obviously take a load off when it comes to that right ankle. Dr. Chow, what does your team have Patrick Mahomes listed at in terms of that six score or his percentage for Super Bowl Sunday? Well, we know that he won't be 100%. There's no way the high ankle heals all that way. But two weeks will make a big difference, and uh, he'll get halfway to completely healthy. So 84, I think everyone thought it was really high for conference championship. But, you know, a quarterback rating of 105.4, 326 yards passing, I think, justified that. And I think he'll be healthier this time. We have him right now projected at 91, but not 95, not 97. But... It's Patrick Mahomes. He should be able to be effective. And you see by the props that you put up there, uh, the uh, 19 and a half rushing yards, that was at nine and a half or 10 and a half for the uh, AFC championship games. Very low, but we still took the under and, and cashed that. So he'll be much better, but not 100%. Dr. Chow, what does this two-week off period from when they last played in Arrowhead to this upcoming Sunday in Phoenix do for that right ankle for Patrick Mahomes? Where do you think it will have the most impact on the way he plays the quarterback spot against the Eagles come Sunday? Well, it can only help, and, and we've all always documented the, quote, magical healing powers of the week before the Super Bowl. Everybody wants to play. I don't care what percentage you are. Everyone is lobbying to play. Patrick Mahomes won't need to lobby to play. He's playing, period. But what we effect, expect him to do is you noticed in that game when he rolled out or had to run or move to his left, it twisted the right ankle and he really hopped up and down and was hobbled. But when he ran to the right, he did gain those key four yards late, very late in the game and then get that penalty. So I think his mobility to his left will be improved. I still don't see him being normal Patrick Mahomes, but still mobile in the pocket and shifty, change arm angles and get passes off. And he will be able to throw a little more downfield this time than before. Maybe the biggest concern, Dr. Chow, is the people that Patrick Mahomes is throwing to. Right now, here we are, the Monday, six days away from Super Bowl 57. And the only receiving yards props out for Kansas City their tight end in Travis Kelsey, and their two lead running backs in Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. No wide receiver props out as of yet, Dr. Chow, for KC. So how are you evaluating the health of that wide receiver room for the Chiefs? Look, it wasn't an accident that MVS got all those passing yards, especially late in the game, because wide receiver one, three, and four were down. Now, Mikol Hardman, I think, is the toughest one to return. There's no way he will be 100%. Is it possible that he could play? Maybe. Andy Reid has cast some doubt on it. We think he's got a core muscle injury, like Lane Johnson, but it's harder for a speed guy, quick twitch guy, to play through that, and he didn't make it through the last game. So he's on the 
dubious side of questionable for us, below 50 on a six score. Juju Smith-Schuster had a practice knee injury and maybe more related to tendonitis. I don't see how he doesn't play. How well will be the question. And Tony, Kadarius Tony, as we went back and looked at video uh, from the original game film angle, it looked like it was a sniper fire. He just went down. But when you looked at the coach's film, you could see it was an inversion left ankle sprain, and he projects to play as well. Yeah, and when you look at the rest of the wide receiver room, they are expected to get Justin Watson back as well. Maybe not a marquee household name, but somebody that has been productive for the Chiefs offensively this year. Dr. Chow, on the other side, Jalen Hurts missed two of the final three weeks of the regular season with that right shoulder sprain on his right throwing arm, of course. He's only thrown the football, Dr. Chow, for 275 total yards here in both of Philadelphia's two postseason victories. Is there any concern for that right shoulder for Hertz and Philly's offense entering Super Bowl 57? Physically, I don't think there's much concern at all. Uh, is there some lingering soreness? Maybe. I mean, look, it's the game of football and no one's 100% healthy. But, you know, if you look at the two games against the Giants and the 49ers, they didn't really need to do all of that, right? I mean, they were easy winners uh, and obviously the 49ers couldn't do much of anything after both their quarterbacks were basically out. And there was a lot of talk about Jalen Hurts not rushing the ball last game. I think that's a little bit of uh, 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 fooling people into thinking it was his shoulder. He didn't want contact. Early in the game, it seemed very clear it was a containment pass rush. Stay in your lane. You saw Nick Bosa penetrate the backfield and almost just hold his water and stop on several occasions. You saw on TV and Greg Olson on the broadcast broke it down, uh, looking at the middle linebacker, uh, how he stayed at home waiting three, four extra seconds just watching Jalen Hurts, even though the ball was out. I think it was a concerted scheme there. And then by the second half, it was protect your quarterback. You don't need to run. And so he didn't really have any rushing yards. We expected Sports Injury Central Jalen Hurts to be able to run the ball in this game against the Chiefs and maybe run it effectively. The Eagles ran it 44 times, Dr. Chow, in both of their two postseason victories to this point. I went back and looked at that opening drive offensively for Philadelphia following the notion that the Eagles have really only run the football this postseason. Jalen Hurts dropped back to pass on eight of their 11 plays on that opening offensive possession that ultimately resulted in the Miles Sanders touchdown to put Philly up first in the NFC Championship game. Dr. Chow, as we take that field view approach for Super Bowl 57, first starting with Kansas City's offense against Philadelphia's defense, who do you consider the healthiest team, Dr. Chow, overall entering Super Bowl Sunday? It's about even in terms of health, and the key is going to be the, the Chiefs wide receivers that we talked about. But Lane Johnson, don't be fooled. He's been okay on PFF grades, but lower than the regular season. And if you look at that last game against the 49ers, he was almost offsides a dozen times. That wasn't by accident. That was, I need to get out there on the edge to stop Nick Bosa. If you notice this pass set, he was a yard deeper than the left tackle. Hey, I need to get leverage and cut down the angle on Nick Bosa because of my injury. If you notice, he got knocked back a yard or two often by Nick Bosa before Nick Bosa held up. That's going to be the big key here. Chris Jones with very strong bull rusher. Frank Clark with great speed. 
that right tackle position, I think, will be the key to the Super Bowl. Lane Johnson has been gutting it out here for Philadelphia in the playoffs, but even shared after that NFC championship victory, when people get there with the bull rush and the power, it hurts a good bit, but he's been dealing with it at this point. Dr. Chow, we appreciate your insight all football season long. I hope to see you out in Phoenix at the Super Bowl Media Center on Radio Row as well. For more insight for Super Bowl 57, make sure you pay attention to sportinjurycentral.com. All the six scores and field views you need for Super Bowl 57. Dr. Chow, thank you for your time as always. All right, thank you. All right, we come back on the morning after. Up next with not some football conversation, but the big news around the NBA. The Brooklyn Nets trading Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. More reaction next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're back live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. It is Super Bowl week live right here all across the Sports Grid Network. And we'll share some thoughts on Super Bowl 57 from the business perspective whenever our sports professor Rick Horo decides that he wants to join the show. We all operate on Horo time whenever he comes on to the morning after we'll get to him in just a second but as we get you ready for Super Bowl week again the Eagles a one and a half point favorite the over under stands at 50 and a half there is only a 30 cent distinction between the two prices for the birds and the Chiefs on that money line Philly minus 122 Kansas City plus 104 again we are looking for the outright winner what will the betting handle look like from that perspective for the biggest game of the sports calendar on Super Bowl Sunday. We turn to our sports professor. Rick, thanks for joining the show. Live right here on this Monday morning to start off Super Bowl week. I hope you are doing very well. I'm doing very well. I could tell you that I misdialed the wonderful VBEX number, but you don't really care about that. Yeah. I was here, you know, I was three minutes early, which is all I need. If you get in too early, sure. you impede on somebody else. So I, I humbly apologize to you, Shames, and everybody else okay. uh, on Sports Grid Nation. All right, so what do you want? Yeah, you know, Mr. Hor, I love to just give you a tough time, right? You know how the process goes. Here we are uh, just trying to make the most of it. So let's focus yeah. on right, that big game. Just six, all right, here we go. Six days away from Super Bowl Sunday between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Rick, when you think about the biggest game of the sports calendar and Super Bowl Sunday, what do you expect the atmosphere to look like both for the game on Sunday between Philadelphia and Kansas City and the week leading up to it out there in the desert? Three words, frenetic. Uh, and, and listen, the bottom line of all of it is that you can go to New Orleans and you stay downtown and you drink a bit and then you end up going to the game a block away. You can do things, same thing in Indianapolis. You can't do it in Miami because it's too far. Can't do it in Dallas because vice storms are too far. And Phoenix, Glendale, Scottsdale is a poster child for spread out. What that mm. also means is the po poster child for economic impact we all understand that we're not doubling with this only with the game but the economics of waste management too which is that tremendous golf tournament all told probably a billion dollars of economic impact and regardless of who wins and who loses and the betting line is for all of you all the economics are really significant and when you think about what new stadiums mean 
and the future of them. Well, we go to Vegas next year. We go to L.A. last year. What does it all have in common? New domed multi-purpose facilities that bring a significant amount of money to the community. Sports betting, legal and operational in the state of Arizona, Rick Horo, as it becomes more and more legal, and as we have seen various states open up in the past year since Super Bowl 56 in L.A. between the Rams and the Bengals. Now for Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Chiefs, what do you anticipate the handle looking like for Super Bowl Sunday as well? $83 billion or more, and frankly, when you look at, and that's Arizona, when you look at the numbers beyond Arizona, Obviously, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Illinois. How about Nevada? Poor Nevada left in the dust, although they'll be okay. Mm. The numbers will be higher than any other national and international handle ever generated in a Super Bowl. And the curve ramps up exponentially as more than the 32 states go ahead. In fact, you know, most of the times the legislative deadline for new states putting gambling together is largely because they want to make a Super Bowl deadline. Massachusetts didn't get under that deadline. Ohio did. Generates a lot of money for some of the states. Wait till next year, but it's a lot of money. Rick, we'll be out in Phoenix together. I hope you're doing your handicapping and your research right now so we can put some bets together, hand-in-hand, a squad play, if you will. How does that sound? Well, I like all of it except the hand-in-hand. I'm not sure I want to hold hands with you out there, but I will. I mean, if you need me to, that's fine. Whatever, whatever, you know, whatever makes you happy. I'm really excited about being on Radio Row constantly hand-in-hand with you. How's that? I think we're also going to make a trip out together, Rick Horrell, you and I, to the WM Phoenix Open this week oh, at oh, TPC yes, we Scottsdale, the biggest party in all of golf. It's going to be a huge week there in the desert in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Rick, as we look at what it takes to get into a Super Bowl, what the ticket costs for a big game like this are we have reports from front office sports that the average resale price hovered around nine thousand dollars each on monday the cheapest seats currently available less than 7k are below prices at this point for the last two super bowl what factors determine a ticket price for any given super bowl in this case of course super bowl 57 in phoenix fan of fan avidity easy to say Mm. Uh, proximity of the host city to the game Although, if the fan avidity is high, doesn't really matter where it is. Uh, you know, good proof of concept. Uh, Eagle fans will go around the world twice, even in a balloon that's about to be shot down, to get into Arizona. Uh, and you notice what the deal is. They are there with all of their green. I'm wearing Kansas City stuff today. I'll wear Eagle green tomorrow. Uh, we've got, by the way, shameless plug, a guy on our On the Record show I don't know if we know Mark Donovan. We're going to know him. He's the president of Kansas City Chiefs, but he was the SVP of the Philadelphia Eagles. Talk about mixed loyalty. He's very clearly committed to the Chiefs now. But he was—he set all the records in Brown as a quarterback. Then he was an SVP of the Saints, and then the Eagles, and now the Chiefs. He could tell you more than ever. It's fan avidity, it's promotion, and it's a story. I personally love to see the Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts idea, but bottom line is the ticket prices will stabilize and even go higher. The list price for a really cool NFL ticket, which I'm not doing this year, so don't give me any grief, $12,500. Have you ever seen a piece of paper, a ticket? I know you've seen a check, but a ticket with $12,500 on it that you actually own and are using? No. No. 
Never have in yeah, my life, no. Rick Coral, but I don't have your kind right. of money. I'm just hoping you're focusing on the party <laughs> guest list that we need for this week for the Super Bowl yes, in Phoenix. That's where we use yes, your pool to get into these, you know, nice, wonderful events. All right, Rick, as we look at a Super Bowl, by the way, thank you for, for providing that narrative. The Kelsey Bowl, washed. The Andy Reid Bowl, who cares? The Mark Donovan Bowl, from the executive <laughs> standpoint. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah, our new go. refreshed narrative that's as we get ready narrative. for Super Bowl Sunday. Nothing this weekend really in terms of an actual football game but for the first time ever rick in the national football league the pro bowl games that featured some flag football contests yesterday out in las vegas and reportedly the viewership was up by a decent amount from where it was last year for the final pro bowl that nobody really cared about when they actually tried to play a tackle football game do you think this is the expectation level now forward for the national football league in terms of viewership and getting interest for this event well i the afc by three got three barely covered no, no, I couldn't bet on it. Sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't there. But listen, compared to what it was last year, which was basically uh, touch football but in pads, uh, this was an incredible event. And what did the NHL, I was at their all-star game this last weekend in South Florida, and the NFL have in common? They hired professional, professional production people that had successes putting on incredible reality shows to choreograph their Saturdays and Sundays. Some was hokey. The golf stuff with the NHL, I don't want to tell Commissioner Batman, I'm saying it publicly, a little bit mm. over the top. Uh, the golf long drive, you know, was that an important part of who wins a Pro Bowl? Probably well, not, but it didn't spend a lot of airtime. So all of these entities are experimenting with cool little niche stuff with the premier event successful. The three-on-three -three NHL, wonderful event. Kachuk wins MVP in South Florida with Panthers, big deal. Yeah. Pro Bowl, big deal. And the ratings should go up because it expressed a commitment from the NFL to do it right and to do it in an entertainment way. I don't think we're going to see the exact same format next year. We may see some tinkering and non-tinkering with the lead-up events and how they're structured and prioritized, but we're going to see the same general format. And it's not all sunshine and rainbows at times because we did see Miles Garrett walk away from yeah. the Pro Bowl games with a little bit of an injury to his toe, a dislocated toe for Miles Garrett. It's all weighing what that goes in to a Pro Bowl weekend. All right, Rick, enough of the Pro Bowl games. Let's get to the biggest story of Sunday. Kyrie Irving traded away from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. Many reports were out there that Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, was focused on finding a deal that made the most sense to him and not maybe honoring what Kyrie Irving wanted, which was a trade to the LA Lakers. Rick, we often think of ownership groups as the guys that come in behind the scenes. They spend a lot of money and that's really what they do, but they can have an impact on the actual dollars and cents of your basketball organization from those schematics. So what did you make, Rick, of Joe Sy and some of these reports that we have seen surrounding the Kyrie Irving deal? Joe Saz, the owner of the damn team, he can do anything he wants. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, not giving Kyrie Irving a hand spoon-fed, where do you want to go? Oh, yeah, let's try it. Not his job. You know, owners right. own, players play, some people would say. And the bottom line is the fact that he retooled the Dallas Mavericks, I'm not sure that's a good idea. If you send him to L.A., it's a cesspool now, and it might be more of a cesspool later. So it might not be a great idea to get him there. But listen, 
all of these guys. And by the way, so just relax because I'm taking it to break. You don't have to ask. Well, no, I have one more question. I have one more question for you, and then you can take it to break. Because when we look back on the on-court success of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant together over their four years when they were together, it wasn't all that successful, at least on relative expectation. But, Rick, from the business perspective, for the Brooklyn Nets brand, how successful was having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving there in Brooklyn together? Now take it away. Well, uh, yeah, take it away. And it was a good graphic to show you what that is. And the bottom line is it helped the fan base because he was committed to winning at some point. And now he's got to retool, just like everybody else in a big-name NBA. What does Matt Ishbia do with the Suns? He paid $4 billion for that franchise. Speaking of Phoenix, I'm taking you to dinner, Phoenix, Wednesday night, if you'd like to, with some other people. But come back after the break. You have more of Ben Stevens. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back to the morning app. Live right here on this Monday. The opening day of Super Bowl week here on SportsGrid. But we check away from the Super Bowl for just a little bit to the big breaking news of yesterday afternoon. Without an actual football game, yes, the Pro Bowl games were going on, the NBA stepped in and became our center focus. The blockbuster deal sending Kyrie Irving from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. We get the reaction of our good friend Chris Milhall live right here on this Monday morning on the morning after. Chris, we appreciate your time here on TMA to start off this new week. I'm sure it was a busy Sunday for you, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. And yeah, it was a very busy Sunday. All of us thought, you know, especially after the trade request became public on Friday, everyone kind of expected the Nets to kind of get this done early, and which they did, yep. right? Uh, no one really expected the Nets to wait till Thursday to really uh, weigh out all the best offers available for Kyrie Irving. I think at this point, especially of how sudden it was and the actions that Irving did take, which, for example, was like on Saturday, he didn't show up to the walkthrough. He wasn't at that game, you know. So that obviously forms a little bit of distractions as well. So um, everyone was like, okay, well, we've seen Kevin do a trade request. But obviously last year you saw what happened with James. He got traded. Same exact time, same exact dates and everything. Nets fans are like haunted by this. But, um, yeah, you know, now that he's a Dallas Maverick, he got sent to Dallas. I think overall, I think it was the best package that the Nets could have taken, right? Everyone sees the CP3 or kind of more player-focused deals. But I think overall, uh, we'll, we got to obviously dive into, I think, the Mavs offer with obviously bringing back a familiar face and Spencer Dinwiddie, plus bringing in another 3 and D wing and Dorian Finney-Smith with a bunch of draft capital and two trade exemptions. I think that's a pretty good return for Kyrie Irving. Chris, of course, doing wonderful coverage of the Brooklyn Nets for Sports Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. So, Chris, let's go through that timeline that you laid out. On Friday afternoon, Mm -hmm. the report of the request that Kyrie Irving wanted a trade away from the Brooklyn Nets organization. What was your reaction to the request to start off your weekend? Those extension talks did not go well. That was my exact my exact reaction, right? Because you you knew for these past few weeks that Kyrie Irving and his his stepmom, who represents him, uh, that's his agent, that she wanted a law a fully guaranteed max contract, right? So the four years, one hundred ninety eight million, and you could tell right off the bat that the Nets weren't going to obviously hand him that, right? From everything from his lack of availability, obviously the controversies that surrounded him really throughout the span of his tenure that came and go. 
um, all the headaches throughout the the everything you know between that span as well. There was I was very hesitant to say that the Nets were going to be like, hey, we're going to give you this contract just to make Kevin happy or you know pair him up, right? I would expect that the Nets offered him a four-year deal, but it was like it, the reports came out saying there was a bunch of stipulations, or so probably stipulations from games played, anywhere from uh, playoff appearances, win a championship, All Stars. Obviously, those weren't disclosed at all, but um. I guess that was just my immediate reaction. I think, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't see an extension coming, especially a long-term one. Um, and honestly, it's, it's best for both sides to get this out of the way now, especially when uh, the Nets could flip in which they did instead of losing it for nothing in the offseason. Only about 48 hours from that trade request on Friday afternoon to the actual deal yesterday on a Sunday between the Dallas Mavericks and the Brooklyn Nets. You see the reaction in the market from the odds perspective that we'll get to here, Chris, in just a moment. But you mentioned the return. Spencer Dinwiddie, back with the Brooklyn Nets, played for the organization from 2016 to 2020. Smith, now a Brooklyn Net as well. The 2029 unprotected first round pick for Brooklyn and a 2027 second rounder, a 2029 second rounder as well. So Chris, obviously they ship away Kyrie Irving to the Mavericks, but how do you think Brooklyn made out in their return of this trade deal? I think overall it's a good return. You know, obviously those two guys that you mentioned, it's going to be interesting to see if they stick around. I think that's one thing to keep out there, right? With Spencer Denry, I think he's got a higher chance than Dorian Finney-Smith. Obviously, Dorian Finney-Smith, he's one of those guys that are on – they're both on team-friendly deals. Dorian Finney-Smith has three years left after this season. Spencer's got one year after this season. So with that being said, I could see the Nets, obviously, at this point, you got to keep Kevin happy. So I think any player aside from Kevin on this roster is untouchable till Thursday at 5. I think that now that they have the three, the total of three first-round picks with ben, plenty of second-round draft capital, I don't think they'll go all in and put their chips all in like they did with the Harding trade. I think they're going to be a little conservative on the, at least the draft picks. But now that you have a very wing-loaded roster, a roster that has Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Utah Watanabe, TJ Warren, and now Dorian Finney-Smith, it's very rare for all those five going to stay around, right? So if I had named two guys that come to my mind right away that I could see being dealt is Joe Harris and Dorian Finney-Smith. I think those two guys uh, could be very attractive for teams like the Lakers or Brooklyn, which I think could happen is that they may engage with Toronto on a trade and look to see what they could do there as well. Maybe get a guy like OG Ananobi, another wing, but more of a kind of a defensive mind and a rising uh, 3-and-D wing. So... Not a lot of time between now and then. Uh, Obviously, Brooklyn's got a lot of pieces to work with, and uh, it's just going to be really intriguing to see what happens and whether um, Brooklyn goes from just a one-on-one trade to a three-team trade, but most certainly this team's not finished. Chris, just three days away from Thursday's Mm -hmm. trade deadline in the NBA. We'll look at what Brooklyn does moving forward, but first, let's put this all in perspective. As we share there to Mm -hmm. end out that segment with Rick Horro, only 74 games played for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the regular season together in their four years, although KD, of course, injured in his opening year with the Brooklyn organization. Just one playoff series win to show for it. Only 13 total games played together in the postseason. Chris Milhall, you cover the Brooklyn Nets on a daily basis with the absolute best of them. You have been along for this tumultuous journey of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving together as members of the Brooklyn Nets organization. How will you remember their time together in Brooklyn? 
Well, I, I put it in the nutshell of the big three, right? I think it's the most disappointing big three of all time in NBA history, right? And I know some guys on Twitter are going to come at me with some trio from the 80s or 90s and pull up statistics. I already know that's going to happen, right? But it, you got to look at it. You got to look at it how it is, right? It's an unfulfilled big seven uh, eleven duo, you know. You named it right there. Seventy four games total played, one playoff series win. You know, obviously at that time in 2019, you know, the team mortgaged a good amount of young assets and futures to bring in guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, which don't get me wrong. If they were in the same position today, they would have done the same thing if Kyrie and Kevin weren't on the team. Right. Every team in the league would have done it. But when you just look at the turmoil, the kind of just the unfulfilled expectations, everything that really went along in this whole entire ride, obviously the James Harden thing, which is really going to bite in the end, especially considering the first, the draft capital that they give up all those first round picks for the amount of time that he spent here. You know, it's just really just unfulfilling. You know, it's one of those things that fans, you know, they're, they're looking at it like they're getting nostalgia and deja vu from the Kevin, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade back in 2013, right? With all these picks going out the window and, you know, all these guys, these guys coming in now, they're getting shipped out one by one. But the good thing is, you know, if it does all eventually blow up and Kevin does leave, I can, you already know the direction that this franchise will take with those trades, right? They'll obviously lean heavy on draft capital and young all-star to kind of build around. So I wouldn't say it's all doomsday and all that stuff yet, but I think overall, you know, um, it's not looking great. And like I, like I told you off air, the Nets traded with this Kyrie Irving trade. They, they trade, they mostly brought in tranquility and traded away championship aspirations. That's literally what happened. And there is all of that. Of course, there's the on-floor mm-hmm. production and what we saw when Kyrie and KD were available at the same time, but knowing all of the off-the-court drama that went on throughout their four years together in Brooklyn as well. Chris, I'm glad you bring up Kevin Durant, of course, who has been mm-hmm. sidelined for the last 12 games for Brooklyn. But when KD was out there along with Kyrie, there was success early on this season a 12 game win streak in fact early on in this NBA season so Chris where do you think Kevin Durant's mentality is right now as a member of this Nets organization well first I'll I'll throw it out I don't think he gets traded before the deadline right I think if anything it's going to be an offseason move because I can't see this team being going all in and saying you know okay if Kevin's not happy right now we got to trade him before Thursday right because there's not a lot of time to do that plus his value will go up in the offseason because when he does come back from this injury obviously he's going to continue those career high statistics and his his play overall and you and teams will really see okay even though this guy's made is going to turn 35 in September like he's going to come out and he's the guy that you want to build a team around even at that age so you know, I think Kevin Durant's mindset right now is, you know, obviously I can imagine he's stunned by Kyrie Irving's trade request. No one really saw it coming. It's more of a business side than, you know, a team side, especially considering what we talked about with the extension, the lack of reaching an agreement there. But I think with the Nets, they just got to damage control this the best as possible. You know, like I mentioned before, maybe see what guys like Pascal Siakam, OG, and Obi, see what they could draw in, right? Zach Levine, maybe, you know. So they gotta they gotta work and kind of get a best of both worlds situation here. I think they obviously don't go all in for a championship here. I think what they do is they may acquire a disgruntled all star at most, and at least they'll get guys like Nas Reed, Jakob Pertl, or and or Jared Vanderbilt. You know, I think it's yeah. it's it, it's a it's you don't know where it's coming. You know, we never we didn't see this coming, and you don't know where anything else is coming. But the one thing I've learned covering this team is expect the unexpected with the Nets. It's as simple as that. 
A lot of moving parts, certainly before Thursday afternoon's trade deadline in the NBA. There have been reports like Chris Haynes from Bleacher Report and TNT that has said that if Kevin Durant were to become available, the Phoenix Suns are prepared to pursue him. Of course, it was KD that issued that trade request in the summer mm -hmm. that seemed like it was going to alter the landscape of the National Basketball Association. But again, Chris, when Kevin Durant was healthy this year, this was a Nets team that was contending. In fact, entering the weekend, the third best price to win the Eastern Conference at plus 390. Now over $8 of movement off that number at 12 to 1. So Chris, how would you describe the outlook for Brooklyn the rest of this NBA season? Yeah, well, first, me, me and you both know, and every time I came on the show and we talked odds, I said, you know, you could sprinkle a little bit on the Nets. Don't do it this time around. Now, I'll put that out there. But, you know, the outlook for the Nets now, you know, it's obviously you can get a, you get a, a good offer from Phoenix. I think you get a pretty a great offer from Phoenix if you wait till the offseason, especially for Kevin, right? You, obviously, no bigger than DeAndre Ayton. Um, obviously, Chris Paul was mentioned. Chris Haynes reported as well. Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, and, a, and I think a couple seconds were – the main offer for Irving in that situation. But you know right off the bat that Sean Marks wasn't going to take on CP3's contract, especially at the age he's at and the money that he's going to be making down the line, especially the type of stipulations that go into that contract. So, the, yeah, really, it's it's for Kevin, like for this whole Nets team, I think you just kind of do with what's best, work it out. Jack Vaughn has really held this group solely, their focus to be solely on basketball. He's done everything he could since taking the job. Obviously, the Nets have not been healthy in recent days, right? Ben Simmons is questionable tonight with left knee soreness. TJ Warren's doubtful with a left shin contusion. So, um, you know, when you get those guys back as well, um, especially with Kevin no bigger than anyone, who's who should have a health right. update today during pregame. So we'll see what happens. But I do expect him to return before All-Star break. It's really interesting, Chris. 52 games the Brooklyn Nets have played. They're 32-20. and 20. They have the fourth-best record in the Eastern Conference if the season were to end today. Of course, mm -hmm. it did not, does not. But if it did, the Nets would be hosting a playoff series inside the Barclays Center. Quickly here, Chris. A lot of players have had to step up for Brooklyn this year given the injury to Kevin Durant. Who is one guy you would highlight above the rest that could be the biggest X factor for the Nets the rest of this season? Only about 30 seconds left in the segment. I'd go with Nick Claxton here. I think Nick Claxton is your perfect answer. Obviously, Cam Thomas will obviously have an increased minutes role. He's your new sixth man, everything there. So I would, I would expect Cam Thomas to get that solidified six-man role. Like I said before, no one knows what's going to happen between now and Thursday. we got a lot of rumors. Joe Harris could be gone. You have a lot of wings on that roster. Seth Curry, we see with his undersize in the Celtics, what's his value going to be like. So, um, like I said, man, it'll be interesting. Let's see what happens. Listen, Chris Milhall knows better than most. Expect the unexpected for the Brooklyn Nets. More the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is Super Bowl week live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. In fact, this is the final edition of the morning after with me hosting it that you will see on the SportsGrid network this week because tomorrow, 
myself, John Shames, he actually flies out today, and a ton of the great people here in the early morning hours of the Sports Grid Network fly out to Phoenix, live from Super Bowl 57's Media Center and on Radio Row, starting at 5 a.m. Mountain Time, that's 7 a.m. Eastern. Myself and Kevin Walsh will be hosting the early line. Live from the Super Bowl each and every weekday morning, starting live on Wednesday. So before we send you out the rest of this week, Dubs Anderson will fill in on this show tomorrow. It will be a wonderful show for you during Super Bowl week. We, of course, give you a best bet. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for an NBA best bet, kind of. It's time for Bye Bye Bye. We have spent a good portion of today's show, as we rightfully should, discussing the fallout from the Brooklyn Nets sending Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. Tonight at home inside the Barclays Center, the Nets in their first game sans Kyrie will host the L.A. Clippers. Los Angeles, a seven and a half point road favorite. Of course, the Nets are going to be shorthanded, not just without Kyrie Irving now, but Kevin Durant has been sidelined for the last 12 games for Brooklyn. Cam Thomas has stepped up in his place. Cam Thomas has no fear of shooting or scoring the basketball. Cam Thomas has the ultimate belief in himself. No props listed just yet for the Brooklyn Nets sides of things for tonight's game against the Clippers. But when that points prop becomes available for Cam Thomas, who had 44 over the weekend as the Nets came back from down 23 against the Washington Wizards, I would look to take that over. Also, Miami is going to win outright at home tonight, even lay the two and a half against Duke. They're a perfect 12-0, one of the best home records in all of college basketball this year. Again, I will see you live on Wednesday morning, live from the Super Bowl Media Center and Radio Row. Sports Grid's coverage of Super Bowl 57, live from Phoenix all week long. I'll talk to you there. Have a good one. Have a wonderful Monday. Live right here on Sports Grid.